On today's Locked On NBA, Nick Engstead, Adam Morris here with Game 3. Clippers versus Suns, a bounce-back game once again for this Clippers team. Game 3s, they just love those. We'll also get into some Mavs drama, Mavs front office stuff. Of course, there's going to be some Mavs talk in this one with me hosting. We'll get it all on today's Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Robot's calling for it. He's got Booker on him. Jackson, a three-pointer. It's good. Reggie Jackson from downtown. And welcome. You are locked on to the NBA. My name is Nick Angstead, host of the Lockdown Mavericks podcast. And joining me, as always, or should be always on Fridays, Adam Morris, host of Lockdown Nuggets from DNBR. What you got for me, Adam Morris? Man, a good night of basketball, crazy man stuff, um, and a good playoff, man. We're just on a hot streak right now with good games. Knock on wood. It has been. There's not the big stars anymore, right? Like, even Kawhi is out. Chris Paul is man, missing some stop, games. No stop, LeBron. Stop. I'm just saying the it's been good stars. despite that. No, the big stars are here. They are arriving. They are new mm. arrivals on the shores of superstardom, playoff superstardom. Devin Booker, Trey Young, Kevin Herter, I guess. I mean, didn't even keep <laughs> him. Uh, Terrence Mann, there's, there's yeah. a lot of new, new stars. All right, so today we're going to get into, obviously, Game 3, Clippers versus Suns. A lot of news in the NBA, of course. The Dallas Mavericks situation. Seems like they got a new head coach, president of basketball operations. I'll get into that for sure. A uh, little thing on Damian Lillard, too. That might be connected to the Mavs thing. Maybe mm, not. We'll get into that. And then, of course... Not. In the third segment, we'll power rank the biggest surprises so far in the NBA playoffs. So let's get into game three from uh, Clippers versus Suns. Man, this was a w- interesting, interesting game. There are so many things going into it. So the, mm-hmm. the Suns are up 2-0. They won both of their games at home and pretty convincing uh, a little bit there. And Chris Paul was out for both of them, which has to probably be one of the surprising things, the playoff him being out. But Chris Paul was out of those. They ended up... Winning and there, there were just some weird games with Chris Paul out, Kawhi Leonard out, like the two best players in the series probably out. Suns win the, both of those, and then Devin Booker's nose just gets absolutely annihilated mm. in game two. He has to wear this mask in game three. It really obviously messed with him. He went five of twenty-one from the field. Chris Paul came back for the first time. He went five of nineteen. Like you just don't win games when your two best players are shooting like that, and the Clippers were able to it, capitalize and run away with it. Uh, there's no question you don't win games when your two best scorers in particular and, and creators shoot like that. But I'm not going to uh, give the mask credit for this. In fact, I'm not <laughs> even just going to say that they shot well. I'm going to give absolute credit to a Clippers defense that was up for this challenge tonight. And I think to uh, Ty, Ty Lu, you, you joked earlier coming into this one that the Clippers have been down 0-2 now three times in a row. Yeah, the <laughs> only the team ever, by the way, because yeah. no team's ever come back right. twice. <laughs> That's right. wild. And but honestly, the two series before this one, and then you know it's it's early to say this. We're only one win now for the Clippers into the Western Conference Finals, but they've all followed a similar script where it's like they've been competitive. You've seen like okay, they've they've tested the fences. They see what they need to do tonight. You get Pat Beverly and Zubac right from the start, and Pat mm-hmm. Beverly tonight just attacking Devin Booker defensively relentlessly. And I thought they did a phenomenal job of walling off the paint, taking away those drive. You know, Phoenix just kills you with those drive kicks, swing it around the horns. Everybody, Everybody's touching, everybody's involved. Once that dr- dried up because of some great perimeter containment, in particular by Pat Beverly on Devin Booker, the game flipped. And Phoenix, I thought, you know, kind of lost control of their identity. And the game spiraled out of control. 
Yeah, it's interesting to see this Clippers team. And Ty, I think Ty Lue's doing a great job just making adjustments. How, how else do you come back from being down 0-2 in the first three yeah. series? But, yeah, that's been a big thing. I think the physicality, obviously, Devin Booker's nose is broken, and I'm sure the mask right, I'm right. sure the mask affects him. Like, there is, there is rumors or there is reports that he called Rip Hamilton to try and see how do you play well with the mask. And Rip Hamilton yeah. just told him, never take it off. But... Uh, that probably affected him, but yeah, he Tyloo's been making some adjustments. Terrence Mann in the starting lineup instead of Marcus Morris. I thought that was an interesting move for them, and uh, it seems to have paid off. Playing Patrick Beverly more, Patrick Beverly twenty minutes in the first two games uh, on average, and this one he played twenty six. So just like one shift more for Patrick Beverly. Uh, less Nick Batum in this game too. It's interesting to right. see which players. Right. This Clippers team has, has so many different players they could throw out there, and in the Mavs series they're down to like six players that they right. could play because all of them are out, and now they're starting to figure out which configuration in each one uh, in each series they can play but i think that's an important important piece though because this has actually been one of the stories for phoenix it's been a story for the clippers it's been a story for the hawks to a lesser extent the bucks because they have i think more defined like top three four guys or whatever but you're right that pat beverly early you know against the mavericks completely ineffective trying to guard getting dnps and you have nick batum who's like the swing you know one of the most important players in swinging the series and what I think is so interesting about Ty Lu and about this Clippers team is they don't have any one identity. They are like mm-hmm. water. Is that the Bruce Lee quote? Be like water, shapeless, like water, mm-hmm. right? And that's how they are. And I think part of why they've been able to come back from two games to none to start in three series is that they they do kind of figure out, okay, this is our best way to put pressure on the other team. And once you find that out, they just evolve into a new team. And that's why tonight – you know, like I said, Phoenix is a team that loves to get a bunch of assists. 24 assists tonight, that was because they were not getting that dribble penetration. I think the Clippers found something on how to keep them out of the paint, how to make things mm-hmm. tough. And now for Phoenix to get back in the series, they're just going to need more difficult shot making from Booker and Chris Paul, which they're capable of doing. But tonight they weren't up for that challenge. Zubat's got more minutes in this game too. 26 minutes per game on average the first two games and then 32 in this one. He played a little bit more. Uh, I'm going to bring back, I'm going to, I'm going to call back something from Devin Booker in the off season. A lot of times off season stuff doesn't really matter, but okay. do you remember that story of Devin Booker and like getting really mad about getting double teamed in a, yeah, like yeah. a pickup game? Yeah. Do you think that this kind of physicality really affects him? Or do you, what do you think really affected him in this game from the Clippers defense? If you're going to give them yeah. credit, I'm, I'm going mask. You don't want to give the mask. I'm not giving it the credit. mask. Man. I'm not giving the mask. Uh, these guys are too good for me to say a mask is going to bother him, but you know, with Devin Booker, what he is, I mean, he really is from the Kobe school of phenomenal footwork and crafty. Mm. And I think what he does is he gets defenders off balance and then he pivots out of them. He's really good at setting guys up and then, you know, crossing them over, sidestepping, step back or whatever. Those little hesitation moves. They're always counter moves. But what Pat Beverly is doing is he is not allowing himself to get countered because he is attacking the ball. He is getting into Booker. He's trying to get steals. He's Constantly, so when Booker wants to make a two, three-part move, he does. he's taken away the first part of that move. And, and I think it's just throwing Devin Booker off a little bit. And then you have to give it as a team effort. You know, they have a lot of bodies that they're throwing into the paint. You mentioned uh, Zubats, who was fantastic tonight, but he mm-hmm. not only patrolled the paint and sort of and, and clogged it, and they used their length. They have so many long guys to do that. But he also just cleaned up the boards. Ten defensive rebounds tonight, six offensive rebounds for him. It just was a lot of don't let the ball get moving in Phoenix. Don't let Devin Booker get going downhill and then clean everything up. No second chance points. They Clippers also just had guys that stepped up. I mean, Reggie Jackson, like he's been stepping Reggie up. Jackson, 
He's been like this whole playoffs. All of a sudden, he just become the third guy, and now he's the second guy because Kawhi Leonard's yep. out. Twenty three points for him in this game. Seemed like he got more. I think a lot of yeah. them came at the end there, where he just kind of went on a little run himself. But Reggie Jackson was huge. Terrence Mann in the starting lineup we mentioned, uh, and then Paul George shot the ball very poorly, like nine of twenty six from the field, three of eleven for three, but hit six of his seven free throws. He was not going to miss twice again right, in, in right. this game Jeez. after game two. But look at that line for him and eight assists and fifteen boards for him. Fifteen boards, man. And this is what I mean. They just they were limiting everything to the Suns. Don't get that dribble penetration and then keep them to one shot. And I think the other thing that happened in this game that's going to be really interesting, you know, it's it's funny because I see some people really dogging Chris Paul, you know, and oh, he comes mm-hmm. back and everything falls apart. I mean, one thing that happened in this was campaign. Only four minutes, he goes down with a sprained ankle. Hopefully he can come back in this one because we talk about the Suns need to get dribble penetration to collapse the defense. Campaign's one of the better guys on their team at doing that. So, Taking him away, that's part of why they lost that tonight. But Chris Paul, I thought the ball was a little sticky with him tonight. Mm. In a way, it hadn't been in the last few games. When when the Clippers sort of took away that dribble drive game and started making things hard, as a, to, to succeed, you've got to stick to the game plan. Yes, it's not working right now, but keep making them work. Keep drive, keep testing the perimeter. Keep trying to get in into the paint. And I thought they didn't do that, and I thought Chris Paul in particular did not do that. Slowed the game down, kept it in his hands, and there was just a lot of late shot clock shots from Phoenix in the second half. Yeah, it was interesting to see Chris Paul like that. And you just wonder, like, he's at this stage. This is since the since the Rockets thing and maybe the Rockets thing and nothing else. This is his best yeah. chance to make a finals, right? And you kind of want to take the take the game into your hands and, and try and do stuff like that. Right? Totally. Like, he's averaging 11 and a half shots a game in the, in the playoffs. And he took 19 wow. tonight, yeah. uh, just a, a very different Chris Paul. And he's just coming back. Like, we don't know what his wind is like right now. We don't right. know. We don't know what he was out with. Like, did he actually have COVID? I don't, know I, think, actually... I, I don't know if we know that, but I thought, I thought was the thing. So he's vaccinated. So there's a different protocol. It's a shorter protocol. Um, but it sounds like asymptomatic or, or whatever, but, um, I, I, you know, I didn't like watching him play tonight. He didn't look fatigued. It didn't look like any of those things. To me, it it's funny. All playoffs, I've been talking about the two teams who are playing with the most connection and the most most sort of confidence and faith in each other. Not a singular, I'm the man, I can do this, but a collective sort of confidence in each other has been the Hawks and the Suns by a mile. And I think that tonight, the interesting sort of psychological thing that happened was Phoenix played like they didn't have confidence in each other. And Chris Paul in particular, that's what I mean. He The ball kind of stuck to him, like you're saying, uh, I'll fix this, like I'll calm things down. And I just, that's not their, as great as Chris Paul is, their strength is in their ability to move the ball and get those assists and, and, and everybody sort of eating. In the first half that happened, and the second half it did not. A couple more things about the physicality of, Jay Crowder fouled out of this game. Mm. Uh, almost got his, or did, did he? Did he get a technical at the end of there, which would have been like six for him at this point in the playoffs? <laughs> but uh, Mikael Bridges also got two early fouls in this game. He yeah. was out pretty early, and you mentioned it. I think it needs to be bigger campaign. Like, how important is campaign to this team? So weird that Cameron Payne is now like this so important player for the, the Suns. He was he was playing in China like yeah, sixteen so months ago, and now he's playing this huge important role. Uh, he yeah, might he abs- might make an appearance wild. later on on uh, in power rankings. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> he might have. But to. he is, other- if he is if he is hurt though, if campaign, I mean, it's a rolled ankle, and you know he is a player that has really been coming along, especially in these playoffs, and sometimes a little momentum, a little ankle t- 
tweak and you don't get to play, does that halt the momentum? Does that halt the confidence? I'm really interested to see how Phoenix responds to this, this the emotional aspect of this game. But the last piece strategically that I'd look at, you look at Aiton's line tonight, 18 points, 9 rebounds. Like, okay, 9 of 13 shooting. That sounds like Aiton. Uh, minus 25 tonight, by far the worst. And I don't think this was a, you know necessarily anything that he did. But you look at the 16 boards on the other side for Zubats. That's yeah. the battle. Like Aiton is so good because he provides that physicality, that, that size. And I think in, in game four, he's going to have to be more of a presence on the boards and in particular more of a presence on the offensive boards and at the rim, just punishing them for the way that they're able to clog the paint and, and wall off the drives. You wall off the drives, you got a big right around the basket who can finish plays. He didn't do that tonight. Yeah, that's a big focus for them. And obviously, I mean, if Chris Paul and Devin Booker make more shots, they, they well, probably win too. this game. But yeah. So we'll uh, we'll focus on Game Four on Saturday. You'll hear from from Josh Lloyd probably on Monday about that on Locked On NBA. You can also follow all of the the Locked On shows, Locked On Suns, Locked On Clippers, doing a great job over there. Coming up, we'll get into some news. Lots of stuff out of Mavsland. The uh, Indiana Pacers have a new coach. Damian Lillard, maybe some rumors there. We'll get into that. By the way, today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Joint, enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. Only 2.6 carbs, 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Also, I want to tell you about betonline.ag. It's the fastest and easiest way to put down some money on sports. If you're feeling the Clippers' momentum, if you feel like the Clippers can come back, you can go and get that right now. The, uh, the, the Suns uh, are still a one-point favorite. For the game on Saturday. Mm. So that that's an interesting one. If you're feeling the Clippers momentum back again and you want to take the Clippers, still Suns a favorite in that one. Uh tonight, if you're listening to this on listen watching this on Friday, the Bucks a seven and a half point favorite. Still. Wow. Why are the Bucks still a seven and a half point favorite? If you listen to Lockdown Bets, you got that. Uh the Bucks were like an eight and a half point favorite, and they called the Hawks in that one. They got that one right last time. So maybe again, or maybe it's the revenge of the Bucks. I don't know if the Bucks mm. can score well enough to to cover that, but Go check that out. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN. Get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Adam Morris, let's talk some news in the NBA. Rick Carlisle is now the new head coach of new rebooted. Everything gets rebooted now yeah. in 2020. And Rick Carlisle, so back, with, back with Indiana, is the head coach. Any thoughts on this for Indiana and then for, I guess, Rick Carlisle himself? Well, I'm more interested in, in your thoughts, you know, if it, having been following the Mavs and following Rick Carlisle so closely. The one thing I will say is I wouldn't imagine him and DeMontis Sabonis as a match made in heaven. That doesn't to me, that's not like a pairing I would have uh, I would have expected. But Carlisle's a heck of a coach and he's he's one of the guys that has brought success with him everywhere he goes. So I imagine he will also bring that to Indiana. But um, it, it to me, it wasn't it wasn't where I expected him to go based on the personnel that's available. It, to me, it is because I think he does. I think he does his best work when he has just like a mediocre group of players. Right? Like he has these role Man, players. Man, shots and he fired turns. at Indiana. Well, you're not wrong this year. You're not wrong this year. Well, he got two almost all stars and an all star yeah. at Sabonis. But when he when he just gets like a you know a good players and he can take them to a next level, he's a he's a floor raiser. I think as a coach, and I think he's he's really good at that. He's really good at putting. A bunch of pieces together. He really likes Miles Turner. Miles Turner worked out in the Mavs facility over the offseason. Rick Carlisle always has good things to say about him. I do think Sabonis and him might be a good a good pairing. After Rick Carlisle learned with all the things he learned with Dirk, and then he learned with Dirk how to use a player sort of like that, and now with Luka he learned how to use maybe a personality like that. Mm. And so I think maybe that experience could work for them. But 
uh, he is going to be he is going to be a tough nosed coach. So I don't. Is that a good thing though? You know, we we made all the jo- jokes about you know Bjorkgren and and everything, and yeah. and players were kind of tired of his voice and this or that. And I also just look at you know Ty Lue and and uh, I, I look at Monty Williams and I I look at some of the coaches maybe that Nick Nurse even the guys that have had success recently and they, Steve Kerr Steve Kerr they're soft spoken they're um, you know thoughtful this or that it just seems like that's the approach for this new generation of, of player a new generation of NBA and I wonder Rick Carl let's not let's not kid ourselves he's thorny um, you know he's he wears on people and maybe it works for a year or two I, I don't know I just wonder if that's I, I'm curious to see if he'll continue to have success with that aspect of his personality yeah I mean tactically you're, you're getting a great guy right like you're sure. getting a guy that can raise the floor that can probably put these guys in the best case and maybe winning trumps everything maybe they just need that and maybe just Rick Carlisle coming in with experience being a championship winning coach that's been there before that has some institutional knowledge of Indiana like maybe that is enough for some of these guys to see like oh man we can actually be something and do something we know we have talent but you know can Rick Carlisle become uh, that coach uh, Doug McDermott has been a, a player that's been on Rick Carlisle teams before and did really well. His stint with the Mavs, he shot like 50% from three, so he's probably happy to have him come back. Uh, I don't think anyone else has played for Rick Carlisle that I can think of. Hmm. No, nobody else has been on the Mavs. But, yeah, that that's kind of interesting. So we'll see. We'll see what happens in Indiana. Go listen to Lockdown Pacers if you want more thoughts about that. They already did an emergency pod today. Let's get into the Mavs stuff. Oh, boy. Have you ever seen that meme? Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. That, <laughs> have you seen that? I have. That's, I, that's how you're feeling, though. That's how I'm feeling right now. Uh, so it, it comes out in, in waves. First of all, Rick Carlisle gets named the coach of Indiana, and he comes out with this big statement saying, you know what? If the Mavericks are going to pick a coach, it should be Jason Kidd. This was early in the day right. on Thursday. Just a weird, weird thing for a coach to say. So weird. Like, as his remarks leaving a place, Who which Rick Carlisle, Rick Carlisle did leave. Like he, he had two years left on his contract. Right, Mark right. Cuban didn't think, I don't think they were going to make a change. Mark Cuban made that whole statement about, well, the grass is not always greener on the other side, making a change in coach and all that. So Rick Carlisle left on his own volition. He then like suggests a guy, or maybe he was just trolling and knew that that was the guy that they were looking at to replace him and just put it out there. Uh, uh, wouldn't put it past I, Rick Carlisle think, to do that. I mean, come on, man. Would it be the biggest coincidence in the world? I mean, come on. I, I definitely think I, I think you can even <laughs> go back further and just say, okay, there's the athletic, you know, sort of hit piece on Harala Bob and then Dolph's yeah. Bobby Nelson's out. Like, this is a wild roller coaster of one week. And I think taking in the context of all of those You're things, the fact that Rick Carlisle said, oh, they should go get Jason Kidd, like, that didn't come out of nowhere. I'm sorry. That did not <laughs> come out of nowhere. That There had to have been something there. And it feels like – it just feels like – I'm not saying it is. It feels like a little dig, a little like, yeah, watch this, everybody. 100% said it'd be good for Luca and all that kind of stuff. Like, okay, all right. Uh, and I guess the Mavericks then took it bait line sinker or whatever. And now it seems like Jason Kidd is in advanced talk, advanced contract talks with the Dallas Mavericks. So that is down the line. That's pretty much a sure thing. The weirdest part about this is they always said that they were going to get a president of basketball operations before a coach. And so the basketball, president of basketball operations wasn't announced. I guess it's just all semantics and timing and all that. But Nico Harrison is now the uh, going to be the president of basketball operations for the Mavs. I think Michael Finley is going to stay on as the vice president of basketball operations for the Mavs. And so I think they're, they may still be looking for a GM or finding somebody to fill that role. But that seems to be the leadership structure for the Dallas Mavericks. Jason Kidd coming in as a coach. There's a lot of things you can say about him as a coach. Mostly about the time that 
that uh, that guy ran into him to knock over the water <laughs> in his hand or the soda in his hand. Very or memorable. Or sure. or yeah. But all jokes aside and everything, this is a Dallas Mavericks organization and franchise that has gone through some really tough, really dumb, really uh, awful situations with harassment, mm. with sometimes domestic violence, yeah. with uh, abuse, all kinds of things that has, has happened in their business office, in people that were around players. It never really it never really got into the, the player situation, so the front office, anything like that, but it was part of their, you know, there was the, uh, the head of uh, communications, there was the uh, Earl Case Need from Mavs.com. Like, there was all these people that were, that were involved in that SI story that came out a couple of years ago. And Mark Cuban went on the jump and started crying and apologizing for everything that, you know, happened and for, you know, letting it happen on his watch and hired sent Marshall to come in and be, you know, the president of the organization to basically clean up all that stuff. And now here we go with Jason yeah, Kidd. Yeah. Now it's tough for Jason. It's tough. And I'll explain, I'll talk about this a lot more in depth on lockdown Mavs, but Jason Kidd has a history of domestic violence. Goes back 2001, he was arrested for for, you know, uh he was arrested and charged for domestic violence against his wife at the time. Uh which is a really weird story if you go back. Like he spit a fry at her and then he like hit her while he was holding yogurt. Just a really weird mm. story all in all. But that happened and then in 2007 they divorced and both sides claimed domestic violence against each other. Mm. There's just all kinds of weird stuff. Obviously a very toxic bad relationship that Jason Kidd was in. I don't believe there's been, and I've tried to read up on it all day. Please correct me if I'm wrong on Twitter, and I'm sure you will, that there's been any reports of that since then. Mm. I'm a person that believes people can change. I think people can can get better and improve in life. But I don't think the Mavericks have to be the people that right. have to be the organization that approves that. I think the Dallas Mavericks, This is a. I think this is a mistake to bring this guy in, to do all that stuff that you said about, well, now we're sorry and we're not going to do that again and we'll get rid of these people and and, and not necessarily leverage situ- like leverage positions and all that. Uh, there is also actually, I'm going to go back on what I said earlier. There was there was a, a member of the front office. There was a member of the scouting department that got uh, that was accused of rape in their in their front office, uh, and he's gone now, not part of the organization anymore. How long ago was this? Uh, Tony Ronzoni. That was a uh, that was two years yeah, ago. Yeah, not that long. That, yeah. That that story came out. Yeah. So it, and it, the story happened way before two years ago, but he just it, the story just came out and then he yeah. was gone. So yeah, it has actually penetrated the the you know the basketball side a little bit. So this is not something the Mavericks are just gone from and that everybody is clean and clear and okay, we'll give this guy another chance and oh Jason Kidd, it's been so long and Dirk gave him the seal of approval and Mark Cuban and all this. And it's like. Why are why why are you doing this again for Jason Kidd? I understand he was part of the 2011 championship run and he's been all this, but not worth it. Yeah. Uh, first of all, and then there's a certain line where morally, if you don't believe you believe that that is just not something you want in your organization, you shouldn't be part of it at all. Yeah. I, and yeah. so there's so many different angles you could take. I'll dive into it more on Lockdown Mavs, but right now I just think it's a mistake on that front. It's not just optics. It's 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 approving. It's approving somebody with a – once you have a history of domestic violence, you don't get rid of right, it. It's, right. it's just – it's always with you. And so why would you get that person when there's a perfectly capable person to be the coach in Jamal Mosley that has been sitting there that Luca loves, that everybody approves of, that that players around the league have been, you know, giving their approval of, that, that checks all the boxes that you want with a, with a Jason Kidd type and does not have a history of domestic violence. I mean, just such a tumultuous week for the for the Mavs and and for that organization, and it's 
it's not really funny, but it's almost ironic that you think about the Haralabob hit piece was about bringing in not basketball outsiders, but people that aren't necessarily in the pipeline, you know, ex-players yeah. or, or – Cuban thinking out of the thinking box. Out of the Cuban box. Doing something and so up. you go for a GM to, to today's news, it sounds like you're going to hire a, a president of basketball operations that is similar thing, out of the box, you know, also somebody that hasn't been in the pipeline, be, albeit a very respected individual. This is – there's a lot of very smart people saying, hey, it, it, he's long overdue to beginning a gig. So you get that piece, but then you also get to your mention – uh, a really rough hist- recent history with the Mavs, and then you go and hire somebody that, by the way, his name was just rumored in in Portland, and then remove withdrew his name because of the blowback for being attached to it and Jason Kidd. So, well, I also think he knew that this was coming. So maybe okay, maybe maybe maybe, that, maybe that's all <laughs> all it took. But either way, it's it's. I agree with you that I think the opti- optics of this week, just when you piece it all together, just something feels feels really off. Feels, feels feels really uncomfortable, I think, for the Mavs. And also, by the way, kind of going quick. It's a really quick process here to to replace Rick Carlisle to to make all of these moves. Where you're thinking, are you in a hurry? Is it is it something that we had to get this done today? Especially coach, right? Like GM, I can kind of understand because draft the draft is in up, a month, yeah, right? Like draft, stuff yeah. is coming. Trades have happened. Yeah. Right? Like the Celtics and Thunder have already made a deal, and this is a very high leverage offseason for the Mavericks, but. Yeah, I don't know. There's all kinds of different angles we can take with this. Um, yeah, poor man. Yeah, the, the, the main thing, so with Nico Harris, the president of basketball operations, I'll just give a quick thing on him. He is a big executive with Nike. He's been around the Mavericks. He's been in the arena a lot. A couple of people with the Mavericks say that they've known him for years and years. Right. He was right hand to Kobe during the, the twilight of his career and all that. And uh, there's also another angle with, with him that I'm not 100% sure on, but he was there helping Kobe rehab his image right. after the, the Denver, like domestic, right. like the, not domestic, the, uh, the assault charge and our assault accusal. I always get those. I get the sure, words. Sure. Uh, and so, but Nico Harris comes in. I kind of actually like him, him as a, as a different kind of guy, a different voice, a guy that has connections all over the place, a guy that knows all these players. It's worked for Nike. That was, uh, according to at least, uh, Nick DiPaolo was, was pivotal in Luca moving over Jordan to the Jordan brand, brand right? side yep. of, of all that. And so I think that's a pretty good relationship that the Mavericks can have new contacts and all that, just a fresh voice and all that. Well, uh, I think Nico Harris could, could be, could be what's great. interesting could is be, could be bad. Could be these, good. these types, you know, most organizations have somebody like this, that is like an unofficial employee. And usually they're like the right hand man of an owner or they're just, they're not technically your, your president, but we've all, you know, worldwide West or, you know, these, these yeah, types right. that have been around informing yeah, and usually they are connected to the shoe industry, right? Cause there's some, so much influence and some they interweave in and out of the NBA. So it is a little bit interesting that this is not an unofficial role. This is a very official role. This is a very like at the actual upfront face of, of the front office. I'm curious how how he's gonna do now that he doesn't have like multi million dollar shoe contracts to hand out to people, right? Like how will his relationships with players be? Hey, you don't lose those contacts when you sit in the uh, president of basketball operations seat. So (laughs) don't don't kid yourself; those aren't going away. Away, they just might be signed by him on the bottom line. We'll cover all that on Locked On Mavs. Coming up, let's get into Damian Lillard quickly, and then we'll power rank the biggest surprises of the playoffs so far. But before we do, let's talk about Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar. It tastes like a candy bar. They're delicious. I love them. I'm, I'm running short on my coconut brownie chunk. Those are my favorite ones. I had I had a box that I was just holding on to. I only have three left. Always check back to see what new flavors they have. They're coming out with new ones all the time. They're pretty good for you, like 130 calories, like only four grams of sugar for these bars that are covered in 100% chocolate. They're great. They had a new flavor that just came out recently 
Oh, actually, they have German chocolate cake. A new bar, brand new bar that's on the website right now, back for a limited time. Go check that one out. They also have strawberry. There was a new flavor that just released that I ordered. I will be trying that one for sure. Use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off at Built Bar. Go ahead, go check them out. Try a bunch of different ones. You can get a box with three different flavors in it. That's the one that I recommend. Or you can get one with two of each flavor in it. That one, if you really want to try all of them, go get that one. Again, promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off with BuiltBar.com. All right, Adam Mares. Uh, quickly, Damian Lillard, Jason K- Jason Quick of the Athletic came out with a story that Damian Lillard is kind of antsy, and uh, he's he's not. Things are unstable in Portland right now. They're still trying to look for a coach right now. It seems like would come down to Chauncey Billups and, and Becky Hammett. It seems like yeah. most of the team. Um, with Mike D'Antoni uh, out, I know he was like maybe a distant third. It sounded like, but he was still in the mix. It seems like Mike D'Antoni. Yeah, he's always in the mix. He should be. He's a great <laughs> coach, and honestly, him with Damian Lillard, I'm intrigued. Once upon a time, uh, Damian Lillard said to Chris Haynes that he would want to play for Jason Kidd. Now Jason Kidd, mm. the coach in Dallas. So I don't know if we want to connect oh the dots there. I have no, wow. no idea wow. how, that could, how that could happen. But uh, any thoughts on Damian Lillard? Like, could something happen this summer? Do you think that it's do you think it's it's possible this year, or do you think he waits out another year, or is he just a, a Portland lifer still? Like that's what he's been saying his whole career that he's going to stay right. there. He wants to be in Portland for a long time. I don't know, but the thing that I think is interesting and important about this is that Damian Lillard has been the anti super team guy, right? He has been the, I'm loyal to Portland. Like I think he actually more so than any other athlete understands the connection that he personally has and the team has to the cities. And he has a really healthy respect Mm, for that. So him putting the pressure on the organization to say, Hey, I hope you have as much urgency to win as I do. Um, I, I deserve that much and he's right. So I think this is him applying the pressure but if that pressure isn't met to his standards and he does end up asking out, if it doesn't work out, whoever they hire doesn't connect with them or the team does, it doesn't make the right moves this offseason, I, I do think that it would be an important moment because if even Damian Lillard ends up asking out, what hope is there for any other superstar? Yeah. Well, you, you get it, you, you know, then you just try to get that second contract. Yep. Right? You try to do what the Bucks did for yep. Giannis and just try to convince him that long. And you can't keep a superstar forever, so – uh, unless you're, I guess, Steph Curry and the Warriors, Dirk and the Mavs, all that. But, yeah, Lillard has, I mean, on his contract, he has a player option in 2024-25 that, that season. So uh, he's under contract until then. They could cave to him if he does decide to ask out for a trade. It seems like stars can get moved whenever they want. Damian Lillard has so much respect that if he said, hey, guys, this isn't cutting it for me, get me out of here, Portland would be forced to trade him or lose their reputation for years and years and years and years to come. Yeah, true. And and players around the league all respect Damian Everybody. Lillard too, right? And and he would be telling everybody and he's he's also he's in Space Jam. So, Ooh. you know, that that's got some that's got some pull and there, there's some star power there. Uh all right, let's get into power rankings. Power rankings. The most the most surprising things in the NBA playoffs so far. Give me your first one or your fifth one, whichever one you decide. You're right. Well, this is so this is actually uh, all of these are players or teams that are currently still playing. And so I know that this is it's funny because you go back and you look at some of the early rounds, and there were guys you could kind of point to and say they've been surprising. But I think the true surprising stories, the big surprising stories, have all come for teams that have made it this far. That's part of what makes it so surprising. So number five, this is <laughs> easily my worst one. You know that these power rankings are never like great. <laughs> I thought that people are going to get that already. The Phoenix Suns crowd. The Phoenix Suns crowd. <laughs> 
Hey, I'm being serious. Of all the things, you only get five only get things five. in your mouth. I only get five, and I'm giving Phoenix Suns a crown. And no, not because of Suns and Four Guy and the fights in the hallway. I've been trying. Let's pretend that's not happening. But beat a guy to a pulp. A, but into submission. But if you watch these games now, and we've had, you know, we've seen every single arena base of every every single team. That Phoenix crowd stands alone, and how much they have been just into it. The the sea of orange in the stands, how loud, consistently loud they are. How, how I, it, we hear this all the time about the big markets or the small markets. And oh, and look, Phoenix is one of those cities that is fair weather, as is like ninety percent of sports markets. But guess what? The Suns are good, and they are showing out, and they are a juggernaut at home right now. <laughs> Um, they, they to me are the surprise. I didn't know. Did you know this, Nick? Did you know that Phoenix has a great playoff atmosphere? <laughs> uh, I think Robert Ory and, and Mari Stoudemire can agree. That good <laughs> hey, Monty Williams said it was the loudest he's ever been in an arena in game two. And is and is he had he's been he's been around the NBA for a long Who's time. Who's he coach? He's coach. He coached the yeah. Hornets. The oh, one I time think in you're, gonna, you're trying to discredit this guy by where money went. It's not like he hasn't played in other stadiums. It's not like he's <laughs> only been in the team he's, he's coached. Come on now. The Suns crowd number, number five, five right, okay. baby. The Suns crowd <laughs> number four. Terrence Mann. I gotta yeah. get some 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 credit here to Terrence, and even tonight, like you look at his line tonight, and it doesn't really pop out. He had twelve points, five rebounds, two assists, one block, um, but six of eight. So it wasn't like he was forcing shots. And I thought he was one of the big X factors defensively. He just did such a great job, and in transition, he did such a great job. He's he obviously saved him in the last round with that in, insane. What was it? A thirty-nine point performance? I can't even remember what the number was. It was so absurd. Yeah, yeah, thirty-nine. Absolutely. Won. So Terrence Mann to me has been one of the big surprises uh, of this, and in the best way. Huge. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that's not because <laughs> there's some interested to see the top because there's three. some guys that are even even crazier. Reggie Jackson, number three. Reggie Jackson. Back from the dead, Reggie Jackson. Dude, uh, so out of the league. Nobody wants him. You know what he's making this year? I should pull it up because I, I I had it earlier, but it's like $2.5 million. That's yeah, vet, vet mint, it, right? Almost nothing. And here he is. Last year he made $734,000. <laughs> yeah, that's what that, that, oh, yeah. this year's making. This year's making two point three. Two point yeah. three million dollars he is making, and he is. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about the Western Conference Finals, the second best player. I mean, like clear second best player on their team. Um, giant cojones, giant cojones, just not afraid of the, the moment Huge. at all. Every single Clippers playoff game, he's hit a three within the, like the last five minutes, like a clutch three. Every Mavs game, every well, whoever they played, yeah, the Utah. Yeah, don't, don't forget a. Uh, don't Utah. forget uh, your boss's team, but they're very forgettable. I know they are, but uh, <laughs> no. But Reggie Jackson, man, uh, I put it. It's funny. I put out a tweet the other day that was like the most clutch players in NBA history, and it was like Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, you know, Damian Lillard, and then I had Reggie Jackson one. And nobody <laughs> got that it was a joke. That's how good Reggie Jackson's been playing. That's how you know he's That's been good. That's how you know he's been good. Um, so he's up there. All right. Nope. At, at, at times during the season, like, wasn't even playing for the Clippers, too. Like, he, he was out. He was kind of out of the lineup. He wasn't starting. He didn't start for a while. Like, it's just a weird you. season for him. And then all of a sudden, he's the second most important player on that team, probably. Second best Belief. Scorer. That is the story of the 2021 players. Belief. Reggie Jackson has no lack of belief in himself right now. And it's pretty believe. Look at that right there. There it is. Um, <laughs> Ted Lasso. Number two. There you go. Um, number <laughs> two. Campaign. 
Absolutely. Maybe even more surprising than Reggie Jackson because I thought so much less of him. But he is a legitimate weapon, and I, I don't think it's a coincidence that the Suns lost on the one game he was not available to him this postseason. How many games do you think Campaign played in 2019-20? I have a feeling you have it pulled NBA. up in front of you. I'm going to get how many in 2019-20? Over, over under 25 well, I'm going to go under because you gave me an over under. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go under. Eight. Wow. Oh, wow. See? Wow. Eight games for the Suns in 2019-20. Wild, man. Uh, and only 31 the year before that. He was oh, the man, worst just... player in the NBA. I, I think I have a tweet. I probably do. You can search that. It says campaign is the worst player in the NBA. And it's only like two years old. It's not that old. My co-host Isaac Harris, that was like the butt of all his jokes, like who the worst player in the NBA was. And he was like, well, if, as, if, as long as you have your dance partner for Russell Westbrook. Like, <laughs> That's what he was. <laughs> you remember yeah. You remember the you remember the Charlie V moment where he walked through the and <laughs> like dancing? I don't remember it, but Man, I do remember him being the dance partner. That was his primary goal, so that's it. Um, <laughs> number one, are you ready? I feel like it's going to be a little bit of a letdown, but it shouldn't be a letdown. <laughs> number one, the Atlanta Hawks. I didn't pick any. Ka-ka! I didn't pick any one player. You got to take the whole team. How many people? We talk basketball all day, every single day, Nick. How many people do you know that had the Hawks in the Eastern Conference Finals? None. Zero. Zero. Getting beat by the Sixers. They were. They were. Yeah. A lot of people had them getting beat by Knicks, the Knicks. Yeah. And they. And I think first of all, I had them. I think we talked about. It. I talked about how much I loved them over the Knicks in that first round. So that one may be a little less surprising. But the way it wasn't just that they beat the 76ers. It was the way. And then even going into Milwaukee, Trey Young just 48 points, just dominant. You got Kevin Herter stepping up and making big play. I mean, just this team. John Collins looks phenomenal. Capella. By the way. No Cam Reddish, no Hunter, and even Bogdanovich right now is like hobbled and, and not fully given, you know, can give them everything. It doesn't matter, man. They're so connected. They're playing with so much belief. The Atlanta Hawks are the Cinderella story of the 2021 season. The Hawks can – sometimes the Hawks offense can, like, do no wrong. Like they're playing Trey Young and Lou Williams together. Yep. And, like, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Like, they're not run off the floor. It's so I don't think they'll do that to too much team. going forward. But that, but but they are just scoring like crazy right now. And and I'm interested to see how Milwaukee uh, – uh, I think Milwaukee's the better team. But Trey Young sure made 48 points look easy in game one. Absolutely wild. Yeah. Uh, the other one I had that, that you didn't have was Chris Paul testing positive despite oh, being man. vaccinated. Yeah, COVID. COVID is a surprise. In general. COVID-19 with a surprise uh, performance in the playoffs. Yeah. Wild. to take him. And then the Suns won those two games. <laughs> that may be the most surprising part True. about it. Uh, and then the other one is that the pervert, the, like, the, the consensus favorite from almost everybody, Lakers, Nets, neither team making the conference finals, right? Like, neither of those. Like, you'd be surprised before the series. Like, now in context, seeing all the injuries and all that, it's not super surprising. But before this season, if you had said, hey, guess what? This team with Durant, Harden, and Kyrie, and then LeBron and AD won't be in the conference finals at all. Really, just just the injuries all across the board, unfortunately. But you know what? The Clippers overcame it. They've lost Kawhi, and they look just as good, to be honest. They haven't skipped a beat. Hey, if you ask LeBron, that's not surprising at all. He knew. Hey, yeah. LeBron knew that everyone. If only there was hurt. something he could have done about knew. it. If only. If only. <laughs> you know, if LeBron sat out, you think they would have postponed like the start of the season? <laughs> he could have made a follow-up saying He could have made a. How much power? Did, how much? How much power does he, he really has have? A, absolute. Although I wonder if it's waning. What are the story? I should have said. You know what? I could have put on my top five list: NBA ratings, the surprise of the century, through the roof, incredible yeah. ratings, and. The, 
Didn't everybody tell us that the Lakers, you need the Lakers, you need the Nets, you need the Warriors, or else your ratings are going to suck? Uh, historic ratings. Historic ratings. So maybe they should have been in my top five. In fact, you know what? I'm bumping somebody out. Who am I bumping out? The Phoenix crowd. I'm sorry, Phoenix crowd. You just Get rid of the Suns crowd. crowd. We know they're good. We knew the ratings. It. They've moved in my top five. There you go. Adam Mars will go listen to Locked On Nuggets. Me, go listen to Locked On Mavs. It's not like we don't have stuff to talk about for the Mavs. So there you go. Guys, thanks so much for listening.